welcome to the Productivity Podcast. I'm back with Sue and our regular Productivity Insights episode. Today we're talking about it's not just retail, so we're going to have a chat about some of the different sectors, some of the consistent themes maybe that we see across those sectors and maybe some of the differences. So first we'll welcome back Susan. Hi Susan. Hello. Smiling at me because I'm calling her Susan, which is normally (laughs) where she's done something wrong, but welcome back. And so we're going to have this chat about it's not just retail. It's probably worth framing that first with, I suppose, other sectors where we've done significant work. We were just chatting off air more than we thought, I think. So contact centres, we've done a lot in across Europe, warehouses, funeral homes. Some will be surprised to, to hear. So there's lots of process involved in that. Quick service restaurants across the world, hospitality across the world, offices, so where there's lots of processing, lots of people, keying data, maybe double keying data, trouble keying data, copied and pasting data yeah. into various systems and, and homebrew uh, Excel spreadsheets. And also, and probably more and more so since lockdown, field-based roles. So think area managers, regional managers, HR managers, business managers, field reps, all, all that population of people in your organisation that might exist outside of a physical location so they're traveling um to sell they're traveling to check up they're traveling to audit they're traveling to drive performance whatever it might be uh, we've seen a massive increase in people looking at those roles not really from a reducing heads but maximizing opportunity making sure that they're getting value and they're not just stuck in the car all day driving you know we've all seen the the work from home phenomena for those that are on the front line, clearly not an option. But for those field roles, again, we've seen things like admin days creep back in and, yeah. and lots of other bits. So you're a lot closer to the data because that's where your world centres in terms of rethink. We talked about common um, themes and lessons are consistent across all these sectors. Are there any big things that stand out in your mind? We touched on it a little bit in the last podcast, I think, where we were talking about the upcoming conference and the ima- the impact that movement time has. So whether you're looking at a warehouse, which might have people trucking up and down long aisles, equally going up and down the stacks on um, manual handling equipment and, and various lifts and things, down to kind of stop movement in stores, or the detailed when you're looking at perhaps somebody assembling a burger or making a sandwich or putting together a cup of coffee when they're in a quick service restaurant where kind of every second counts. And although the times involved might be very different, so, you know, the movement time making a sandwich is a lot less than the movement time going on a forklift truck down a big aisle, the principles are the same because actually it's all potential dead time within a process that isn't necessarily adding value. I agree. Another another one that's probably a good example is system delay. Yeah. So again, whether I'm in a contact centre and there's a delay in my system, so I pull up that customer reference or whatever it is through to using a handheld terminal in a warehouse, through to using a handheld terminal in a retail shop, through to the delay of scanning my loyalty app in a coffee shop. And for those that drink lots of coffee, there's probably two brands that are well-known that you'll see that now next time you go into. They're all variations on a theme, but actually come back to, I suppose, those three pillars of people, 
process and technology. Yeah, absolutely. And there's probably very few studies that we do where Wi-Fi connectivity isn't mentioned at some point. You know, signals dropping out is so much of what we do these days is tech-based and we rely on that to make processes run smoothly. And when it's not happening, it's it can cause big delays. Which gets us back, I think we talked about it probably a year, maybe even more ago. There's that phase that maybe still exists in some organisations of the customer or even the supplier if you're not direct to external customers in their iPhone or Android phone may have more powerful tech than some of the, yeah. the teams. You know, again, Wi-Fi all well and good, but in a world of 5G where you get free data on your phone, it's as quick if not quicker than than super fast broadband so there's an irony in some of the things that you see posted on the likes of LinkedIn with big transformation programs where actually the underpinning technology required i.e stable relatively quick internet isn't even in place yeah and although you can't guarantee that you've got a great phone signal everywhere because networks vary and again the number of places where we work in where there can be a difficult spot you know if you're downstairs in a basement you probably won't be getting 5G if you're kind of in a warehouse where you've got very high high stock density and high racking. Again, it's just quite difficult for signals and stuff. So out of those we've mentioned, contact centre, warehouse, funeral homes, QSR, hospitality, offices, and then the kind of extension into field roles and leadership, are there any bits you want to pick out, any specific examples you've got that you'd like to share? I think there's some really interesting comparisons about at the heart of what a lot of the studies that we do is getting colleagues to spend more time doing the bit of their job that adds value. So movement and the system delay of things where they're not adding value, but being able to add value. So I think that plays through in things like contact centres. So how long is the colleague actually talking to the customer, understanding their requirements, giving them the options then trying to upsell them or whatever it is versus having to just input data into sometimes slow systems. And that also goes through, we see it in retail, you know, you've talked about slow times when you're serving people to get people's apps up to date or connect to, to other schemes. But that also goes through to what you were saying about where we worked in offices and where we've worked with field teams Because actually, where you've got a specialist role, you want them spending the most time possible on that that specialism and really understanding what it is that that role that you need to them drives a difference for the customers and therefore drives revenue for the organisation. And then how can you stop everything else is just such a fundamental theme of of what we do everywhere. Sometimes that's a customer-facing role in a warehouse that will be picking stock to send it out. You know, it's kind of, it's one of those real basic common themes that we see everywhere. And just circling back around to contact centres, I haven't spent much time in them. That time I have spent in them, I found fascinating. And the, the one thing I found really fascinating is they've all got great data to a point. Yeah. So they've got average call handling time, average wait time, number of calls waiting, drop-offs. So they, there's lots of, telephony system data which they tend to build kpis around and performance and manage performance and all that kind of stuff around it which you get but it's kind of blunt because i know from the work we've done 
if you um, if the average call handling time is six point five minutes, you can then theoretically work out how many calls someone can take if they stack up in a linear way. And in most call centres, there'll never be a point where there's yeah. not calls coming in. You've clearly got the complexity now of social channels, so people scraping Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever else. I'm too old to understand that it exists. Um, because you want to respond if people are trying to contact you to make a complaint or it's negative, And you also want to kind of emphasize and amplify good comments that are on there to say, look at us, aren't we great? The bit that I always find fascinating is if my call handle is six and a half minutes, what none of it takes into account is post that call, there's some downtime to write three emails, to phone another department to get the fix for the customer, to pass it on to another channel because it's dealt with by the product team or the health and safety team and therefore you've got this self-fulfilling circle that comes back which is we just need need more and more agents to handle the calls because we can't get through the calls and therefore we get more calls waiting and more drop-off because the 6.5 isn't the end-to-end dealing with the customer it's the it's the start to end of just the call piece and that's what we've seen when we've done studies, actually. So we have looked at things like um, how long it takes to write notes. And I think a lot of systems, telephony systems, do have the ability to know when a colleague's back online. You know, they can almost take themselves offline for a moment while they write up the notes. So a lot of systems can automatically measure that. We certainly measure it when we're there. But some of those KPIs, that's included as almost unproductive time if that makes sense. Uh, there's a real mishmash of ways of working it. Well, it depends what your telephony system's capable of. Um, the other thing is when um, we've done studies where we looked at the number of misdirected calls. So you can have a problem with the way people are, you know, the options. I'm sure you all have phoned call centres and you think, I don't really know which option I want. Where well, you then end up having to bounce people around between. So we were able to measure all that and what percentage of that was happening and on what sorts of calls. So that was useful. And again, a lot of telephony systems can't pick that up. And it, it can make it look like you've got a short handling time, but it's just because actually a call came to me and I couldn't do anything for them and I just had to pass them on to somebody else. So that sort of um, thing's quite interesting when that happens. And from any of those other industries, any anything else that stands out for you? Um, I think it's interesting when we look at a sort of time in systems. So, you know, you'll see all sorts of things, real inconsistencies in how people work. Um, and sometimes we've seen that it's where people are working in Excel, but they haven't got some, there's probably a benefit to having better Excel skills. And I think... There's almost an expectation that as people are coming out of education now that, of course, they've been taught Excel at school and they've been used to different things. But there is a difference to using those in a work environment, in particular in, for particular applications. And, you know, we've seen people, instead of setting up, wanting to move data from one place to another, which ideally would be automated, but they've been doing it by copying and pasting a cell at a time rather than setting up, you know, lookups or direct links and you've obviously got then the risk where you copy and paste in that you're introducing errors and that sort of thing as well so some really basic stuff that you'll see that can you know hold people back from being as as efficient as they'd as they'd want to be really i think the other thing to add to that is probably workarounds so where big systems have come in or 
fragmented systems are in place and they don't speak to each other that way this whole undercurrent of workarounds that exist so it yeah. talks about the open kind of double key and treble key and homebrew spreadsheets people having logs to make sure that somebody's put this in there so we're checking the checker who's checking somebody else so in a modern world that's that still exists and it works right you know there's some very big successful companies that operate that way but we did a recent poll on LinkedIn and the number one uh, challenge was rising costs so if you include not just your supplier base costs but your people costs in that you're back to making every second count in terms of stopping that reducing it understanding how you can simplify it automate it put it back into the system so you've got one source of the truth so it's interesting that all this is kind of starting to be flushed out yet again yeah, we've just done a study where we looked at a process where the systems were integrated, so data flowed from one through to the other, just as you'd hope it would. And then the same process where actually it doesn't and it requires quite a lot of manual intervention and, and admin time. And in the one where there's kind of the systems are integrated, their admin time was down at about 3% of time as a, as a total. When you looked at it in the one where the systems aren't integrated, 20% of their time was spent on admin. Now, I don't know that all of that was directly attributable to it, but, you know, that that massive difference, a big chunk of that is time because the systems aren't talking to each other and having to double enter and move stuff across or set up paper trackers around it. Yeah, trackers, Excel trackers, paper trackers, trackers on the wall. We've seen them all. So I think the point is we talk a lot about retail. It's, it's not just retail. There's common themes. Uh consistent lessons across all sectors some have slightly different challenges than others based on their uniqueness but we're back to wherever there's people there's a rising cost and clearly there's there's an opportunity to stop doing some stuff start doing some stuff differently think outside the box think outside the box outside the box outside the box we're at that point where people are starting to get radical and embrace those things that maybe a year two years ago just before lockdown felt too extreme now it's becoming a necessity to do that and again we've seen just in the last week or so unfortunately Wilco's are, are finally kind of run out of road it would seem hopefully someone comes and saves them we've worked with some great people there that we're still in touch with and a great business with a great heritage but it kind of shows that nobody's nobody's immune so if you're not constantly evolving, if things aren't constantly changing, we get involved in lots of conversations where people say, well, there's just too much change. I think I'd probably be worried if there wasn't enough change. Yeah. Uh, rather than too much change, we have to accept that it, it's always evolving, always changing. So It's got to be the right change. And it's got to then, if you do make yeah. a change, you've got to land it properly and move on. You know, lots of half-landed stuff. Yeah. is a Change overload and change fatigue, all that stuff I, I accept. Um but those businesses that are really motoring are constantly, let's call it constant evolution rather than yeah. letting it go too long and it becomes a revolution that's too big, onerous, costly, time-consuming to, to do while your competition is still going. So, I think when you look at the different areas that we've talked about, you know, all the different types of, of businesses, I think it's fairly easy to think of something like time and motion study as kind of a fairly old-fashioned way of looking at things and it, it 
you almost sense it's got a bit of a rigidity and stiffness about it. And there are some real disciplines in about how you do the data, but the reality is there's lots of different techniques and using those different techniques gives you different views. And we always find we get the best insights when we do that real mix of mix of methodologies and then link it to benchmarking. Because actually even you know the most basic things that businesses do, there's always other and better ways of, of doing them and things that you can learn from other people. And that's, you know, you, you said you've got to keep changing to keep moving. You've got to keep evolving your processes and doing what you're doing because even if you aren't, you can be sure the competitor, it, your competitors are, or there's going to be somebody new looking to come into that segment of market and find a different way of, of addressing that that need, whether it's a B2B business or a, or a customer-facing business. And those methodologies, so activity study, role study, um, predetermined study, um, efficiency study, we've done separate episodes and all of those, so we won't go back over those. They're yeah. out there living and breathing if you want to find out more about those. So it's probably worth just finishing. You, you mentioned it in your opening bit around the conference. Just over a month ago, over 150 people registered. Um, got some great speakers lined up. It's going to be an amazing day. It's probably the one we've been rehearsing all the other ones for. So the best, <laughs> the best is, is yet to come. Not setting ourselves up for for anything, but yeah, some great speakers. Lots, lots of um, people we've worked with are speaking. Lots of opportunity to network. If you've not registered, um, registrations close now. But feel free to drop me an email, and we'll put you on the standby list because. As ever, I'm sure things creep into a couple of people's diaries that's far more important than coming to listen to us. So there might be a few spaces that open up. But thank you for your time again, Sue. Nice nice to talk outside of retail and we'll be back soon. Bye.